As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Tuesday, June 7th. Derek Van Riper, Al Melchior here with you on this episode. We will discuss recent debuts, one upcoming debut among them, a very uh, anticipated one if you happen to be a fan of the Pirates or if you're in a deep enough dynasty league where you have this player already on your roster and perhaps ready to be in your lineup for this current week. We've got a few injuries we got to discuss, we've got some level changes, trending players, and we'll do our level roundup at the AAA level. A lot of players that should contribute at the big league level at some point later on this season, putting together nice campaigns there, and even a sleeper or two perhaps along the way. Now let's begin with some good news because the injury news coming in a little while is not good. Uh, Travis Swaggerty is expected to debut for the Pirates on Tuesday. He was officially promoted over the weekend, did not play on Sunday after joining the Pirates from AAA. And this is a player that's been slowed by some shoulder injuries in recent seasons, only played 12 games last year as a result of surgery. That was on his throwing shoulder. And then, of course, he missed some time this spring with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, This is a guy that's also been pretty good in terms of drawing walks, but he's had some swing and miss in his game, kind of a low to mid 20% range K rate pretty much everywhere he has been, but there's a little bit of power. There's definitely some speed. And as we know with the Pirates, there is a wide open opportunity for Travis Swaggerty to rack up a boatload of playing time. And that's, I think that's particularly important for him because I think that his appeal First and foremost, probably is for the steals, which you just alluded to. Uh, but maybe uh, if he can work his way up the order, uh, be a, a bit of a run producer as well. But it's sort of hard to know what to expect, DVR, because as you alluded to, there's the the injury history uh, and the, is related to that a limited amount of playing time in the minor league. So the the one pretty full season that he had was 2019, uh, where you would expect some you know, maybe some decent power numbers. Uh, but, and again, he was in high A at that point. So it's sort of even hard to judge there, but uh, 120 WRC plus just nine homers, but 23 steals uh, that season in high A. So you look throughout the, again, the limited minor league track record, there's really not a lot of power there. 
He does walk a lot. The strikeout rate's been up and down. Um, so I, I'm not really looking to, to prioritize Swaggerty, even though, like you said, there's a lot of playing time. Uh, and the steals, maybe in some leagues where I, I, I'm catching up in steals, I might make a little bit more of a priority to, to pick up Swaggerty, but this is not on the same level as some of the other prospects that we've had uh, coming up in terms of the the level of excitement and, and level maybe a level of uh, assertiveness and fab bidding. There's definitely a, a little uptick in power, though, at the AAA level compared to what we saw at high A. You mentioned the single-digit total at high A back in 2019. Seven homers in 47 combined games at AAA Indianapolis and not playing uh, in as many of the hitter-friendly environments at AAA as other players that play you know, on the West Coast with the PCL, right? So there's a, a little bit of a difference in terms of what you get from a guy playing in this system. As far as the playing time goes, I mean, the Pirates clearly hit that point where they're starting to make some decisions on, on long-term futures for players. I think Cole Tucker was lost off waivers. Uh, they've got... They've optioned Hoy Park to the minors. They picked up Yu Chang on waivers from the Guardians, I think about a week or so ago. They're in shuffle mode. Swaggerty's a left-handed hitter. He can play center field really well. I think at the very least, you're looking at a big side platoon opportunity to start, but he has to hit to stay, right? If he strikes out 35-40% of the time and isn't doing damage, it's going to be a pretty quick return trip to AAA. So I think the, the most shallow league I would think about picking him up in probably would be a 15-team mixed league with five outfielders, and it's more because of our ongoing need for stolen bases than it's been because of extremely high confidence that he's going to be an immediately good big league player. Now, I think there is some long-term appeal. I think there is definitely keeper in Dynasty League appeal. If he's not rostered in those formats already, if he's not rostered in NL-only league already, I'd be excited about getting him in all of those spots. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you in terms of the depth of league. I mean, I think that's that's appropriate. And just talking about pirates in shuffle mode, and I I think we're probably going to wind up talking about at least one, if not more, uh, pirate prospects a little bit later on. But there was a recent piece in the Athletic from uh, Rob Beertemple uh, about all the prospects that we're likely to see pretty soon. Uh, so I know in some cases it might seem like it's a little bit overdue, but uh, you know we could see a, almost a wholesale overhaul of the lineup. And there's some, some pretty interesting uh, prospects as, as a part of that group. Yeah. Much more watchable players coming to the roster in Pittsburgh. Some of them there already to compete Marcano getting opportunity more recently. Jack Sawinski, another young player, not as much of a highly regarded prospect as someone like Swaggerty, but he's getting a lot of run right now in the outfield as well. A couple players getting promoted in Texas. How about Steel Walker, easily an 80-grade name, which I think drew a lot of attention as soon as news broke that he was going up to join the Rangers. Uh, Walker did show some skills improvements during his limited time at AAA this year. It was a 20-game stint after a 48-game stint at the same level to end 2021. Walker has not been as efficient as a base dealer at AAA, but he was 8-for-10 at AA before he got promoted to AAA a season ago. What do you make of Walker? I'm seeing more of an AL-only league sort of player because I know the Rangers do have a few other options in this organizational mix to possibly take on playing time in the outfield if they don't see something they'd like quickly from him. Yeah, and just as an example of that, uh, I picked up Jake Rex in a couple of deep leagues last week. He's already coming on, <laughs> replaced by Steel Walker. So who's to say that the same thing couldn't happen to Walker? Uh, but... Also, I think the fantasy appeal is limited there just because I think he's probably 
based on what he's done in the minor leagues, more of a batting average guy, more of a line drive hitter than somebody who's going to be a big power producer. So uh, that kind of player obviously has has its merits. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that there's a real reason to to pursue him aggressively in mixed leagues at this point. And like Swaggerty, Steel Walker, a left-handed hitter, probably going to lose some time against same-handed pitching initially. Uh, but even, to me, less of an immediate path to claiming in everyday sort of role. So I think while I'm looking at Swaggerty as maybe a low-end bid this weekend in 15-team leagues, I don't think Walker is going to make that cut. We'll see. I mean, maybe this is this is where I think prospecting is so difficult in redraft leagues. Fortunately, we get almost a week's worth of information before we have to make that decision. If it turns out Walker or Swaggerty are hitting the ball harder than expected, this is one of those uh, granular things that you can look for. Looking for max exit velo, uh, we're looking at O swing percentages on these players. Even a week's worth of data for an O swing percentage doesn't necessarily give you anything close to a complete picture. But just seeing if these guys are, are taking good at bats, I think, is going to determine whether or not you're actually interested in them in various leagues. Another Rangers player that's up though is one they acquired from the Yankees and it's part of the Joey Gallo trade. Ezekiel Duran getting some opportunities. Uh, second base eligible player. Looked like a five-category guy at AA. Just turned 23 at the end of May. Duran had a 132 WRC plus this season. Similarly productive before the trade last season. Did struggle a little bit after the trade. And we've seen some fluctuations in his K rate that could be alarming because he's making the leap from AA to the big leagues. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, the fluctuation uh, this year has gone very much in the right direction. Um, big drop in his K rate. And you, you pair that with uh, the potential for power and speed. Uh, he's one of the more exciting players that's been called up recently. But like you say, up from double A. So I definitely do have some skepticism about how well that profile that he's developed in double A, how well that's going to translate right away. But uh, certainly for for uh, dynasty leagues, if Duran is out there, uh, given that the timetable is a little speedier than I was certainly expecting, uh, and, and given what he's done in Double A this year, if he is available, certainly an add there in a redraft. I think he's, I think he may be viable in fifteen teamers, just because uh, not only does he bring some potential upside, but I think that there is a pretty clear path to playing time for Duran. Yeah, I think this is part of the revolving door the Rangers are dealing with at third base as a result of Josh Young's injury. Young could come back before the end of the season. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. So while Duran has second base eligibility on a lot of sites, he's primarily going to see time at third base where his first two appearances for the Rangers have come. But I agree with you. I think he's more, probably more in that swaggerty range, more in that 15-team mixed league range for me. Uh, so definitely an appealing player that you're going to be thinking about adding where available had a couple of debuts on the pitching side. Caleb Killian for the Cubs. He was sent right back down to AAA Iowa after that appearance. I thought he looked pretty good against the Cardinals, and most of that trouble was contained to one inning. Yeah, I agree. I was surprised, disappointed. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Uh, I thought once Killian was up, he was up to stay. Uh, the, the one sort of question that I do have about Killian is that he's somebody who I think I have to give uh, just a, a little maybe extra benefit of the doubt because of how highly he's ranked among prospects with the scouting reports have said about him. Because if you look at the stats, I mean, it's not surprising that as somebody who relies very heavily on a sinker, that he's got a, a pretty moderate strikeout rate. And I think he could be the kind of pitcher, you know, maybe much like his teammate Marcus Stroman, who maybe has a little bit more appeal in real baseball than in fantasy baseball. Uh, so uh, that said, I mean, I... 
I think that uh, you could make room for Killian in 12 teamers. And uh, I, well, let me put it this way. That's what I said when he got called up. I mean, he's been sent back down. Maybe I'd be a little bit more hesitant, but I think ultimately when he does come back up and I do think it's a when and not an if that there's room for him in 15 te- or 12 teamers, but I would not expect him to be somebody that you would start every week because of the what I perceive as the limited strikeout upside. Yeah, he was showing four different pitches, the sinker, the four-seamer, a cutter, and a curveball. I guess I, I wish there was something else with a lot of movement in there. That would be nice. Uh, you know, A slider would be fantastic if he could develop one, but I don't think he needs that to be useful in the short term. I do think there's probably a little more five and fly in his in his workload in the way he's been used so far so you do have to be careful with the workload on a start by the workload expectations on a start by start basis for him once he comes back i can't imagine they're going to make him wait at iowa all that long before putting him into the rotation for good Uh, he was one of those guys that pitched really well in the fall league at the end of last season as well so i think his prospect trajectory has been up quite a bit over the past calendar year or so. Uh, one other debut, Jason Alexander debuting for the Brewers, getting an opportunity with Brandon Woodruff on the IL. Uh, Woodruff is expected to make a pretty quick return from his ankle injury, so it's possible that Alexander is Nashville-bound after his next turn. Uh, seems like it's been a really good week for prospect names on the promotion front between <laughs> Swaggerty, Steel Walker, and Jason Alexander, of course, of Seinfeld fame. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't think there's a ton of fantasy appeal here, but I was disappointed that I couldn't pick him up in the 2014 Dynasty League that I'm in uh, because you know I figured if nothing else, I could stash him and think of a really good name. I'm just I'm not sure what I would have gone with. You know, I, I'm would probably would have leaned towards Serenity now, but uh, you know, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, Serenity now, Summer of Jason. Um... You know, lots of ways you could go with uh, with that never-ending supply of, of Seinfeld references and jokes. Uh, so I think with Alexander, I just see more of an up-and-down guy. You look at the numbers at, at AAA, the strikeout rate just wasn't very good. 17.5% over 47 and two-thirds innings. He's 29 years old. This is a guy that has waited a long time to get this opportunity. So it's a nice story, but it's not necessarily a profile that we tend to bet heavily on in our game. So I think you're looking at mostly leagues like the one you described and possibly some really deep NL only formats. If he sticks around a little bit longer than expected. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get to some injuries. Grayson Rodriguez may not pitch again during the regular season. And I say regular season not because I think the Orioles are a playoff team, but because he could pitch again 
later on this year, he could pitch in the Arizona Fall League just because of the timing of his injury. He has a grade two lat strain, so health permitting, you know, think about September, October, when the Fall League gets going, that's about the time he might be ready to pitch again. It changes things a lot. If you were waiting on Grayson Rodriguez in a redraft league, you can probably cut him loose because even if he comes back, it's going to be very late in the season. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, is a bummer because he's the pitcher we've been talking about at least since some point in April that he's one of the few that's worth stashing. And with him not really stashable at this point, I'm not sure that there is any pitcher that's not worth just waiting for until, until they get the call. Uh, I, I will say two names that uh, come up for me, uh, Brian Bayo and Cade Cavalli, but I don't think either one is on the verge of a of a, a promotion. So uh, you can probably even wait on them at least a few weeks. Now, it seems like a lot of the players that you would ordinarily be waiting on have already been called up or they are hurt. So they've debuted. They're going to fall off prospect lists. Some other players are going to get promoted. I guess maybe if you were trying to find the next two high ceiling guys, Daniel Espino in Cleveland and Yuri Perez for the Marlins are the high risk, high reward types that maybe they get some big league innings, but I don't see, I don't see it happening in a matter of weeks. I think it's still a matter of months for both of those guys. And we're at the point in the season now where if your roster hasn't picked up a few injuries, if your bench hasn't been thinned out already, Inevitably, that's going to happen. So you're kind of in that spot anyway where it's increasingly difficult to burn a spot on someone who's not able to give you something on a week-to-week basis. That stash list is very thin. I'm right there with you. I think we've seen the bulk of the players that we're expecting to see for a prolonged stretch this year. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing the Orioles. This is just a general thought that I've had now for a couple of seasons. I, I think when you have a pitcher like Rodriguez who's big league ready, even if you want to be careful with his innings, I think you're better off being more aggressive with the promotion, front-loading the innings at the big league level as much as you can early in the season, because you just don't know when a lat strain, a shoulder, an elbow, a hamstring, an oblique, whatever it might be, is going to put a player on the shelf, right? Because by most indications, Grayson Rodriguez was days away from making his big league debut, and we may have been talking about that for this week, had this injury not occurred. And now I look at it and say, well, they could have had him up for two months or most of the last two months. And yeah, this could have happened sooner. This could have happened eventually in the big leagues. Sure, I, I get all that. But I just think developing pitching, it's more important to get guys at the right level as quickly as possible. And Rodriguez looked like he had nothing left to prove at AAA. So I hope the recovery goes well. hope we do get to see him pitch again somewhere this season. And Fall League would be just fine. I think I'm actually going to make it out to the Fall League again this year. So It'd be a nice treat to see him pitch out there. Uh, Cubs outfield prospect Brennan Davis actually had back surgery last week, so his status for the rest of the season is unclear. And I guess the the logical follow-up question coming off the Rodriguez conversation as we look at Davis, Al, are there hitters in the minor leagues right now that you're trying to stash away with those precious bench spots? Is there anybody we haven't seen debut yet that would have been worth holding on to? Because Davis, I think, was previously in that conversation now, much like Rodriguez, I don't think he is. Yeah. Well, I think the big one uh, is Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, it just seems like he should be days away from promotion. He came up on the uh, Beat Writer episode when we talked to Alec Lewis uh, last Thursday. 
Uh, and at that point, we were talking about why isn't he up? Why isn't he up? And Alkaloos tried to provide us as best he could with an explanation. Uh, but he, he's the obvious one. And beyond that, I'm not sure there's really a, any kind of mustache, uh, mustache hitting prospect. Uh, but uh, you know, certainly there'll be others that can make an impact. But Pasquantino is the one that I think makes sense to stash right now. Googling Vinny Pasquantino mustache. Nope, kind of, kind of has the the thin mustache going. So not not the eighty grade mustache you're looking for for a prospect. But he's been great at AAA so far this year, and I think we're probably getting to that point where the Royals are at, at a decision point for a guy like Carlos Santana or someone that is currently chewing up playing time who's not part of the future. So unless they want to keep him around because they like his veteran presence or something along those lines. Maybe he's the guy that goes to create the roster spot for Pasquantino. But I think if they were to bring Pasquantino up, he would play a lot. There's no reason to bring him up and make him someone who plays three out of every four days. If he comes up, he gets an everyday opportunity to prove that he belongs in the big leagues. And Pasquantino is one of the trending players that we're going to talk about on this episode today. So I'll just get to him right now. He's up to 35% rostered in CVS. So people are making that move now. And in terms of WRC plus, Vinny Pasquantino has a WRC plus this season at AAA, pretty much at the same level as Nolan Gorman. And Nolan Gorman was tearing the cover off the ball before he got the call to St. Louis. But Pasquantino's doing it with a much lower strikeout rate. Now it should be noted he's a couple years older, about two years older than Gorman, but that low K rate, solid walk rate, big power profile makes Pasquantino a really exciting player. I think the floor I put out there when we first started talking about him as a prospect a couple of months ago was Nate Lowe. I thought at a minimum, he's that type of hitter, but there's a chance he's something a lot better than that. The ceiling for a profile like that is actually very high. Yeah. Yeah. And I would expect him to be better. Again, it's it's hard to tell, especially how prospects would adjust in their initial exposure, but very exciting. And again, that's why even if his call-up isn't imminent, he's somebody that's worth rostering right now. Make sure that you get him on on your roster. And maybe that's already too difficult. Like you said, in CBS, a 35% roster rate there. So he's already filling up the deeper league rosters as it is. And I don't think it'll be long before he's on 12 teamers. Uh, and again, maybe even for a few weeks off, I think that might be the case. Circling back to a few other Prospect-related injuries, Nick Gonzalez in the Pirates system, currently on the injured list at AA Altoona with a heel injury. If things had gone well health-wise for Gonzalez and performance-wise this season, I think there was a path for him to hit his way onto the Pirates roster. Losing some time, even if it's only a couple of weeks, could just delay that to September if they want to try and play some service time games, which I think the Pirates are still, unfortunately, want to do then that means we're probably talking about him maybe in the first half of 2023, which is pretty disappointing for a guy that was mashing as a college player just a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, so probably not a, a player that we're really looking at this year. Still has still has a, quite a bit of uh, dynasty appeal, though. Yeah, a little bit of power and speed at AA Altoona. Four homers and four steals so far this season for Nick Gonzalez. Uh, Nick York, the second base prospect in the Red Sox system, also placed on the IL. He is at the high A level right now with the affiliate in Greenville. His injury is a turf toe injury. Those can be a little tricky just in terms of the timetable being a bit longer than expected. But 
Al, I'm old enough to remember when the Red Sox caught a lot of flack for drafting Nick York as a first rounder just a couple seasons ago. Yeah, well, in my recollection is that it, it was a bit of a split, uh, a split decision that they caught a lot of flack, but there were also those that thought it was uh, sort of an intriguing pick. And uh, you know, uh, once he's back and healthy, we're gonna you know continue to watch him climb the ladder and uh, you know be be up. Uh, making uh, making noise in redraft leagues. One notable level change that I wanted to bring up, Andrew Painter, the prospect in the Phillies system, I think we discussed him maybe a month or so ago now. He has been promoted to high A, so he started the season at Clearwater and was posting, I think what we fairly call video game numbers, had 69 Ks against 16 walks in 38 and two-thirds innings. Yes, 69 strikeouts in 38 and two-thirds innings. Uh, not surprisingly good ratios, a 140 ERA, 0.86 whip, and now he's teammates with Mick Abel. So if you are a Phillies fan and you're able to get to a Jersey Shore game, there's a very good chance that one of those two guys will be pitching for at least the next few weeks. I don't know how long Painter's actually going to stay at high A because he looked like he was overmatching low A the entire time he was there. We talked about his arsenal a few weeks ago. It's overpowering stuff, so he has the kind of Deliver. He has the kind of uh, arsenal that can move up to double A or possibly even triple A by season's end if things continue to go well. Yeah, no, uh, like you said, could uh, really move up quickly. And uh, I don't know if uh, next season is necessarily uh, you know overly optimistic that uh, maybe we see him in Philadelphia in 2023. Yeah, I think that's actually possible just based on the the foundation he's putting in place so far in 2022. Let's get to a few more trending players. We mentioned Vinny Pasquantino. If you want to stash him, you better do it now in a redraft league because he's already picked up in just over a third of CBS leagues. But Riley Green, I think he's now above 50% rostered on CBS as he continues to recover from the foot injury that slowed him down to begin the season. I have to imagine as soon as they feel good about what Riley Green is doing at AAA, he gets the call to Detroit and he gets a clear run at everyday playing time. Yeah, lots of playing time for Riley Green. And that's something that really has been hinted at all along. He had a great spring and uh you know seeing the reports on him in rehab, it, it just seems like that the the call up has always been imminent, like you said, once he gets once he gets on track. And it's a very, very small sample, but at least so far we're seeing that the strikeout rate is down a bit. That was Probably my biggest concern coming into this year was not a, a ridiculously high strikeout rate for Green in the minor leagues, but the sort of thing that, again, when you project uh, going to the next level, that it could be something that really holds his batting average down. So good to see that he's uh, off to a good start, even in that regard, even if it's only translating into a 240 average at Toledo so far. I think it's fair to say Green fully in the conversation as someone you would stash in a redraft league if you're lucky enough to have a spot on your roster that you can burn on a player that's not quite in the big leagues yet. Green versus Pasquantino for 2022 only, though. Who would be your preference if you're in a league where both happen to be available? Uh, it's definitely Pasquantino now, which is why when you did ask me about uh, stashing hitters, that I thought about Green, but I don't put him really in the same class as Pasquantino. I can wait around till till uh, we get a more definitive report on when Green is coming up, rather than to stash a, you know stash him in a spot until that happens. Uh, just because the numbers that Pasquantino's putting up are just ridiculous, and uh, I I just 
at this point, I just think uh, it's more realistic to have very, very high expectations for Pasquantino than for for Green uh, for this season. You mentioned him a little bit earlier in passing. Brian Bayo, also a trending player this week, now entering the conversation for some second-half stash potential. He's thrown 56 innings so far this season, 22 and a third at AAA. Looking at his workload from last year, he finished at 95 and a third innings. You have to think 130 to 140 innings, something in that range, is the target for him. And some of those innings could come at the big league level. I think a lot will hinge on what happens with the Red Sox between now and the trade deadline. We still have almost two full months before we reach that point in the season. I think right now, they'd be more likely to be buyers entering play Monday. They would have been a 500 team. But it's not unthinkable that if they were to fall far enough back that they could actually move some of their veterans away and give players like Bayo an opportunity in the final two months of the season. It might even be giving up on this year. It might just be shuffling a few players off and seeing if the younger guys can actually get them where they want to go. And I suspect that that's the more realistic path for Bayo to have a fantasy impact in redraft leagues this year. It's we've, we've talked about him a couple of times previously, and it's always the same question that comes up is who moves out of that rotation to make room? And there's not a clear or obvious answer. So yeah, it just might take a change in direction for the team and trading off one or two of those veterans uh, to to make the room. But I think one way, one way or another, it just has to happen because he hasn't skipped a beat moving from from double A AA to triple A, and uh, it seems like he's pretty close to major league ready. The other thing I, I guess I wouldn't want to rule out is the possibility they would just bring him up and use him as another multi-inning reliever. I mean, that could be huge for them. They've had some issues with that bullpen so far this year, so that could be another path for Bayo to get on the roster for Boston before the end of this season. Uh, a former prospect who's finally back up with the Nationals, I think is worth a mention here. It's Luis Garcia. Uh, clearly has lost prospect status. He's played over 100 big league games, but still a very young player and finally getting this opportunity after showing more pop at AAA in recent years. This is kind of like we were talking about earlier with Travis Swaggerty playing at Indianapolis. And you, know, you look at Luis Garcia, where he's played, how much power he's shown at AAA, how little power he showed Prior to that, are you buying that there's actual growth here, or do you think this is actually the result of the level and some of the the conditions that Garcia has been playing in? I think not to weasel, but I guess I will weasel and say I think it's a little bit of both. I think there has been some growth there, but I I am a little skeptical about how that's going to translate to the majors because at every step, very consistently, Garcia has trended towards being uh, not an extreme ground ball hitter, but definitely being a ground ball hitter. And I don't know if that's something that necessarily gets better when he gets to the major leagues. And I'm, it's a glass half full, half empty sort of thing where you could say, well, the last couple of seasons, AAA, he's really put up good power numbers despite having ground ball rates that are a little over 50%. But I just think it doesn't leave Garcia with a whole lot of margin for error uh, as he continues to adjust to major league pitching. So not really high on my list in terms of the prospects that we've talked about so far on the show in terms of somebody that I'm really uh, wanting to speculate heavily on. For now, I, I do think there's some appeal in 15-team mixed leagues. That's where I was thinking about Garcia this past weekend. That's where I'll be looking at him again going into next week. I think it's a great call on the ground ball rate. 
he showed some improvement at AAA compared to what he was doing at the big league level, but it was still a ground ball rate above 50% with the increased power. And the good news is Luis Garcia was playing at Rochester, which like Indianapolis is not one of the extreme hitter environments at the AAA level. It's not part of the PCL. So I think you're right to kind of look at it as some actual skills growth and maybe some noise along the way. The noise we're referring to in this case is that last season at AAA, the quality of the pitching got really depleted because of all the injuries at the big league level. A lot of players that would have been at AAA were promoted and filling in spots at a level above that. So there were opportunities for hitters to feast on what is, I guess, below average AAA pitching a season ago. But still, what he was doing this year was impressive enough for me to say, in this team especially, he should play every day. And he might be a decent accumulator, even if we're talking about a guy that has more like 10 to 15 home run power uh, in a full season at the big league level. I just want to see if the stat cast numbers are a lot different this time around. Is he hitting the ball harder? Is he barreling the ball more often? That would go a long way toward helping me sort of clarify whether or not we have real skills growth here or whether it was just conditions helping Garcia along the way. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to our level roundup. We don't do level roundups at AAA very often because a lot of prospects skip that level or they don't spend much time there, but there are a few interesting names currently in that range. Nelson Velasquez actually debuted last week for the Cubs before going back down to AAA. And I just wanted to bring him up because I think he's kind of an interesting player. Another fall league standout from a season ago. Uh, Opportunity should be there sooner rather than later. They're another team that would presumably trade a few veterans and, and open up some playing time for younger players. So uh, do you see enough good in the profile for Nelson Velasquez to think about stashing him in some of those deeper keeper and dynasty leagues, those 20-team leagues that might have a player like that on the wire? Yeah, that I think that's the probably the right depth for Velasquez. And I'm glad that you did uh, bring him up for this show because he also came up on that Thursday Beat Writer show. Uh, we talked about we talked to Sahadev uh, Sharma, and Velasquez was just a player that he brought up, and you know said that he could provide a lot of power, but also did mention that he's very much an all or nothing type of hitter. And looking at his profile, I see exactly what he's talking about. Actually, this is almost comical DVR at Double A this year before getting promoted Triple A, a nineteen percent ground ball rate. I mean, that's you don't see that every day. Uh, it's hard to do. It's even very, for a twenty-ish game sample. <laughs> yeah, even even in that small of a sample, not easy to do. Definitely a sign of a very clear profile, and he strikes out a lot more than a third of the time. So, 
uh, I, I'm trying to think of the player guy was with the Padres a few years back was, you know, like a guy who hit like 20 home runs, but also like hit 180. And unfortunately I can't remember his name, but uh, you know, somebody who had like a 50 or 55% fly ball rate. I'm sure the, the, the name will come to me, you know, 10 minutes after we're done recording here. But <laughs> uh, if y'all know who I'm talking about there, uh, uh, tweet at us. Anyhow, uh, very limited appeal there, but in deeper leagues, if you need power and you're okay for batting average, Velasquez could, could play a role for you this year. Yeah, I think it is going to be more NL-only leagues and, and very deep mixed leagues for Velasquez. But nice power-speed combo. Just want to see some of that swing and miss go away. Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg, two prospects in the Orioles system, both promoted AAA together. So, yeah, Norfolk just got a little bit more interesting. I think we talked about Henderson once earlier this season. Westberg is another one of those prospects in this Orioles system that if players like that become good big leaguers and they're not as top-heavy as they might appear on the surface in that minor league system, then they can take some pretty big steps forward these next two seasons as they continue to supplement some of the star power that they have on the roster, the young star power. I mean, Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez, right? But if you start getting Gunnar Henderson to play at a similar level and Westberg and Westberg looks like a, a regular that's a big lift for the left side of that infield. So I'm excited to see what these guys do at the highest level in the minor leagues. I am too. And I'm guessing that there's probably not much of an incentive to get either or both of them up this year, but there's room. There's obviously room uh, on that side of the infield, uh, particularly third base. And, uh, you know, Henderson in particular is just really an intriguing player uh, at double A was hitting 312, eight homers, 12, 12 steals with a big drop in his strikeout rate this year. So uh, very interested to see what he does now at the next step. Henderson, I mean, having the kind of season that shows more of like a star kind of ceiling at double A, you mentioned the, the power speed combo of 452 OBP, got the K rate under 20%, almost walked 20% of the time too. So just destroyed that level in just under 50 games there. Definitely a guy that I think if you're in the league, we talk about these leagues probably every few weeks where you can only hold one or two prospects. Uh, and maybe you, know, you need someone to kind of make a leap to fill a spot. You make a trade. Henderson's done enough to kind of fit in leagues like that where a very small number of prospects are actually kept. I think with Westberg, there was a Bit more swing and miss, quite a bit more swing and miss in his profile at Double A this year. He had a 27.3% K rate, showed power, popped nine homers, stole some bases as well. There's plenty to like here. I think of the two, there's a pretty clear preference for Gunnar Henderson from a long-term fantasy perspective. Another pirate to talk about, O'Neill Cruz. He is okay after a minor ankle injury over the weekend. I'm really not sure what the pirates are waiting for here, Al. I mean, we're into early June now. Uh, Super 2 considerations will pass, I think, probably any day now because it's all relative to other rookies that were promoted. And since we've seen so many players get called up already, I don't think Cruz is going to accrue enough service time to end up qualifying as a Super 2 player unless a lot of the players that were previously promoted end up going back down to the minors and then Cruz comes up and stays up for good. Like that's Is that the nightmare scenario the Pirates are afraid of? Or uh, <laughs> what else could it possibly be at this point? I don't know. Probably not quite as big of a mystery as to why Pasquantino isn't up with the Royals, but it's, it's almost right there. Uh, but I, I would, again, just mention that report uh, in The Athletic for Rob Beertenfeld that um, uh, 
uh, you know, Cruz could be up very soon. And uh, also Mason Martin, uh, Jihuan Bay, Kanan Smith and Jigba. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, four names right there uh, that he mentioned that could all be up pretty soon. And all of them are making a case in their own way. Uh, so I'm definitely interested in Cruz. I'm also interested in Bay too, is uh, really putting up some, some good numbers this year. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this now and being a little frustrated, but two weeks from now, maybe who knows, maybe several of these players will be up. Any day now for O'Neill Cruz. So I'm going to try to keep myself as positive as I possibly can. Let's talk about Josh Lowe for a moment. Still striking out a lot at AAA, but doing good things in terms of power and speed at that level. He's got five homers and three steals. 26 games now with Durham. It's just over 100 plate appearances for him. It's a 270, 333, 510 line, so not quite as good as the slash line we saw a season ago at the same level. The key difference, though, Al, and I'm curious if this is a long-term concern for you, a 36.9% K rate at AAA Durham this year, and strikeouts were a big part of why Josh Lowe got sent back to AAA in the first place since he was striking out 38% of the time during his first 19 games this season with the Rays. It's definitely a concern uh, because if, if you're striking out that much at the AAA level, there's not really reason to think it's going to be better and that it could easily be worse. And if you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of a 40% strikeout rate, that that is just not viable. So... It's yeah. It, this is definitely not uh, gone the way that uh, I think either you or I envisioned back in March. <laughs> we're talking about Low having uh, a chance to to be on the opening day roster and and really be an impact player. And uh, yeah, I've I've really I want to say I've given up, but he's definitely not on my radar right now. He's still twenty percent better than a league average player at AAA with a one twenty WRC plus. So. It's more of a just a longer term wait on low. I think there's still a lot to like from a fantasy perspective. The crowd in that outfield will change eventually. I think Kevin Kiermeyer's contract is it finally is it finally up at the end of this season? Is it the end for Kevin Kiermeyer in Tampa Bay? I believe it is. There's a club option for 2023. They will not exercise that. So yes, next year Josh Lowe will probably get another opportunity in center field. Hopefully, gets a chance a bit sooner than that. Alex Kirilov, also not a prospect anymore, but he is walking more than he is striking out at AAA, and he leads the level with a 181 WRC+. And we talked about Kirilov, I think, after he debuted last season as a player whose barrel rates were really good with the Twins. So I'm actually very encouraged by what Kirilov is doing right now at the AAA level. I am too, and he is available in my 15-team TGFBI. actually thought about picking up this past weekend, thought better of it, but I think he's another one uh, that you know could be stashed right now if you have room, uh, especially if he's available in a deep league like that. And there were some issues last year when he debuted. He was swinging a lot of pitches outside the zone. He was actually doing a better job with that during his brief time with the Twins this season. Uh, but the K rate went through the roof. I just think there's a good chance that he comes up in the second half and actually puts together a really nice 60, 70 game stretch that because of the twins offense around him also ends up piling up pretty good counting stats too. So I'm with you in 15 team leagues. He'd be among those hitters that I'm trying to sneak onto my roster, hoping to get a nice bump in production for the final three and a half plus months of the season. A few arms of interest at the AAA level. I think our deep sleeper has to be Josh Winkowski. 
Over 5Ks to every walk so far at AAA. He's in the Red Sox system, by the way. ERA is about a run above his FIP right now. Could be yet another depth option for Boston to consider at some point, right? We talked about Bayo a little while ago, and in terms of ceiling, I think it's pretty clear Bayo has more ceiling, but if a couple of injuries strike, if trades happen, Winkowski could be among the names that finds his way out of the big league roster at some point before season's end. Yeah, and uh, at least this year, a profile that's not dissimilar to Caleb Killian's. Uh, so another another sinker baller uh, who's probably got limited strikeout upside, but more than strikeout per inning at uh, Worcester so far this year across eight starts. And uh, yeah, very low walk rate and consistently getting the ground balls, which is you know, if you're as a sinker baller, that's the one thing you're going to be able to deliver on. So pretty nice profile. And the question is just, yeah, where is the opportunity given that we're not seeing it for Bayo, but uh Definitely worth uh, you know worth seeing if he's available in your dynasty leagues, if not your redraft ones. It might be more of a reliever until he's a starter arc than Bayo, so maybe a little more long-term patience will be necessary there, but another possible viable arm for the Red Sox. Let's talk about Hunter Brown in the Astros system. He really just needs to lower his walk rate, Al. Over four walks per nine so far this season at AAA, but he's 11th at the AAA level in K-BB percentage, and I use the cutoff of 30 innings pitched as a minimum just for reference there. If you look at the leaderboard and Hunter Brown's not where I said he was, that might be part of the reason why. Um, but I think part of my interest in Hunter Brown is my consistent trust of the Astros developing pitchers correctly and putting them in spots to succeed And I wonder if Hunter Brown might get an opportunity to fill the Christian Javier bullpen role before he gets a chance to actually work as a starter at the big league level. That seems like if there's going to be a path for Hunter Brown, that that would be the one. And Javier had some value, obviously not as much value as he has now as a starter, but did have some value in that role last season and very early this season. So um it would relegate Brown and redraft leagues to having deep league value, but at least, at least there'd be some value there. So I I would certainly, I would be happy to see that. And the other encouraging thing here, if you're just looking year over year, Brown is at triple a, which is where he finished 2021. He had a career best walk rate with the promotion to triple a last year. He's maintained some of those gains like previously at, I think short season ball. And even at double a, his walk rates were North of 13%. So, some improvement there, even though it's still a walk rate that's on the, the higher side of what we're comfortable with. The other good news here, Hunter Brown doing a good job keeping the ball in the park in AAA, which is difficult because he does see the PCL parks. Uh, one other name to get to, Kyle Muller. We've talked about him off and on on several pods over the years. And this really surprised me looking at the leaderboards. A 22.8% K-BB percentage. Only Grayson Rodriguez was ahead of him as far as pitchers who are younger than Muller. And I think sometimes we just get a little impatient with guys when they don't come up and have that sort of success right away. Muller, I think, might just be an injury away from at least getting a temporary opportunity in Atlanta. Yeah, I think that's what it would take, though, is an injury now that you've got Spencer Strider in the rotation. I don't think he's going anywhere. That's a very solid rotation now, one through five. That fifth spot had been a bit of a revolving door earlier in the season. But yeah, who's to say that all five will stay healthy? Who's to say that maybe Atlanta won't go to a six-man rotation for, for some period? So Muller is definitely, uh, I would profile as the next one up uh, for whatever 
the need might be. And I am among the people wondering what is going on with Ian Anderson because he's just not taking that that same production we saw in the shortened season or even just in 2021. If you want to say his baseline is more like what he did in 2021, ERA closer to five, the whip up at 140 right now, the K rate down a bit, home runs have been a problem for Ian Anderson, and they were a problem for him last year as well, but that home run rate is actually up again from where it was a season ago. It just seems like a guy that's having a hard time finding his way here in the first half of 2022. That is going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You can find Al on Twitter at AlMelkyRBB. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to rate and review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Take a moment to give us a five-star review. Under the Radar is with you on Wednesday.